Hey writers, welcome to Writing YA with Poppy. I'm Poppy Solomon, an editor and author assistant who specialises in young adult fiction. I created this podcast to start discussions with writers, offer advice on writing, publishing and book marketing and talk about my favourite genre, YA. You can find me on Instagram as Poppy's Vintage Books and LinkedIn under Poppy Solomon. You can also visit my website which I'll link below. I am so happy you're here and I can't wait to talk teen fiction with you today. Let's start. Today for my very first podcast, which I am so excited for, and by the way, thank you so much for joining me and supporting me. Um, let, let's see how we go. Today I want to talk about realism in fiction, so making the false believable. So this is a blog post I wrote a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago. Didn't get a lot of traction, but I was really proud of it, so I really wanted to share it here as my first podcast because I'm... I'm really interested in making sure that even if you're writing the most fantasy, unreal, ridiculous story, your reader still feels as if it's real. They should still feel immersed and they should still feel connected to it, even if the things that are happening in it are completely ridiculous and so far outside of reality that they would never happen in real life. So it doesn't matter whether you're writing a complex fantasy novel with magic far beyond our reality or a contemporary based on real life settings and occurrences. Books either do or don't feel real to readers based on the way you build and tell your story. So I'd like to start with my first tip, which is having thorough world building. So let's say it again, whether your setting is a high fantasy empire or a familiar town from real life, your story exists in a world. So world building includes your setting, both on a large and a small scale, from the fictional world or real country that your novel is set in, to the more personal places that your characters find important. So it might be the the world, this big high fantasy world, or it might just be it's set in New York City. But then these smaller places are places like your main character's home, their favourite cafe, where they work, or the local farm and butchers in the fantasy medieval world so world building covers a lot of places but making sure it's thorough means that your reader feels immersed so this doesn't just mean describing the way every place looks although that's important you need to know its culture its history its terrain its layout and more and I do actually have a world building worksheet on Etsy that you can buy and I will link that below it's got a lot more on world building, so that might be helpful for you if you think you might struggle with this one, but I'll hopefully cover a bit of it today. So for your story, your culture, it might mean establishing timelines for a monarchy. So if you have a long fictional monarchy in your story, think Game of Thrones, where the history in that book, I haven't read it, I've seen the show, but I know that it goes back very, very far. It's very detailed all of the climates and the cultures of every area are so well mapped out. And the author didn't just make that up as he went along, or I at least assume not. He would have had a list. He would have known all of these things. He would have had a proper style sheet and had spreadsheets. You know, I love a spreadsheet and understood every single part of his world and its history to make sure everything was always in line and to make it believable. So it's a false world but the reader can believe it because the history is all there and it makes sense. So in a smaller world, maybe you're writing a contemporary novel, 
This might just mean knowing the name and layout of your main character's favourite restaurant. Where do they eat? What does that place serve? What does it look like? If one day they go in there and it's a coffee shop and then three chapters later they go in and suddenly it's a sushi restaurant, your reader's going to be a little confused. So you need to know all of these things. But I have to add a disclaimer. Although you need to know all of these things, all of these details about your world and your setting, please don't tell the reader all of it. They're not here for a history lesson. They're not here for a geography lesson. They're here for story. So just tell us what's important. So instead of telling us, let's say, for example, we go into the main character's house, we go into their bedroom. The reader doesn't need to know that the room has four walls and a ceiling because most rooms do. Instead, you could tell us about what posters they have on the walls because a character, well, maybe they don't have any posters on the walls. Maybe they have beautiful, expensive paintings. Maybe they keep their walls completely clear. Maybe they have posters from bands or TV shows or posters of cute boys from a magazine. Anything like that tells us about the character and how they live rather than just telling us they live in a room, which who doesn't? Um, You might tell us how neatly they live. So do they have a desk in their room? Is it messy and chaotic or is it really well organized? This says a lot about the character. So maybe the walls are painted a certain color. Maybe their bedspread has a certain pattern on it. All of these things tell us about the character. So when you're describing settings and worlds, don't just tell us everything. Don't give me a list of this is on this wall. This is on that wall. These are all the pieces of furniture in the room. Just tell me what's important to the character because that actually immerses you in the story and it makes you empathize with the character more. And finally for world building, when you're describing the world and setting, make sure you use all five senses. So like I said before, don't just tell us how the place looks. Tell us how it feels to be there. Build a full picture and immerse them in the story. So does their bedroom have any particular smells in the setting that they're in? What do the birds sound like? What's the weather like? Tell us all of these things that actually build atmosphere rather than just telling us what it looks like. Because when you're watching a TV show or something like that, yeah, you only get the sights and the sounds. But when you're reading a book, you can immerse so fully in a character's experience and their life. And also you can use things like smells and sights to see how the character reacts to those things. So one character might hear road noise and think, oh, the sounds of the city, I love this. And another might absolutely hate it. And that says so much about character. So weave these things in and make sure you're clever about how you weave these things in instead of just info dumping description over and over again. So by using all the five senses through actions and through the way the character is perceiving things, you can actually put these things in your story a lot more cleverly, not putting them in all at once, and just immersing your reader slowly and giving them atmosphere as you go. So show your reader story through action. So my second tip on realism in fiction is having a magic system or technology system that has limits. So this tip might not be relevant to you if you're writing contemporary. It might be a little bit like, well, I don't actually have any magic in my book. I don't have any sci-fi elements. So Feel free to just completely skip this part if that's you, but if you're writing things like sci-fi or fantasy, maybe stick around for this one. 
So one of the most important parts of a magic or technology system is limitation. It's so easy to get caught up in creating amazing powers and abilities, but what happens when these abilities or these technologies have endless strength? An overpowered main character or villain is boring. Why? Because they're unstoppable. So how will your story have tension? It's Think about Superman. He is this perfect, perfect hero who can pretty much do anything. But they have to put in kryptonite because otherwise, if he has no weaknesses, it's not an interesting story. People don't want to read about a hero who can fix every problem with ease. They want tension. So every character needs an Achilles heel. Even if you're writing a character who is perfect in every way, they need to have a flaw. So that's their limit. So in this, in the Superman example, we're talking about the magic system is his superpower and his limit is kryptonite. So limitations help to boost your story's realism because rules make things clear to the reader. If your magic system can only be described as, well, anything can happen, or your technology just has capabilities that are endless and the reader is just thinking, well, what's the point of the story if everything can be fixed so easily? There's just not going to be that tension, that empathy, and realism is all about making sure that the character is immersed and connects. And if your characters find everything easy and everything is perfect and wonderful, people aren't going to connect because real people are flawed and they want to read about flawed characters. They want to read about flawed worlds where things aren't easy. They want tension because that's where story comes from. So what's the point of a story if everything can be fixed with technology or magic? You have to make sure that there are limits. So that doesn't mean that it can't still be a super fun magic system or a super crazy sci-fi world. It just means make sure that there's limits so that people can't just do whatever, whenever, and there's still tension. We can also talk about limitations in terms of ethics, laws, and rules. So what is there to stop your main character from winning every battle and doing whatever they want? So it could be that a law prohibits them from reaching their goals. So maybe part of the tension in the story and the conflict is because some law stops them from getting what they want. Or maybe their limit is their own moral compass. So there's something that they want, but they're held back because ethically they think this isn't the best thing to do. Or the only way for them to get ahead in life maybe is to step on others and they think, I don't want to do that. Or they have to sacrifice a relationship for another relationship or something like that. So limitations can actually be really interesting in a lot of ways. And it's important to think about just again, how can I bring tension? How can I put things in my character's way to make the story more interesting? And then to make the reader empathize more with the character. As a final point on this tip, I just wanna say I find it really helpful to create a document that covers exactly what my fictional magic or abilities or technology can and cannot do how these abilities are used, how powerful they can be, who has access to them and the different levels of skill. So I would usually put this in an Excel spreadsheet, but you can do it however you like. But this is just really important so that you can make sure that you keep track. Again, all of these things, knowing every intimate detail about your book and your world and your magic system doesn't need to be told to the reader. But as the author, you do need to know this because you need to be able to keep track of everything. You need to make sure 
that you have the element of realism by being organized and making sure you don't have big plot holes, making sure the reader can actually understand things. And again, limitations can mean not everyone has access to magic or technology. Maybe there are different skill levels. So some people have a lot of power, some people have very little power and how it's used. So all of these things create limitations and that again creates tension. So my third tip for realism in fiction is writing characters who have depth. So that's what makes them a realistic character is depth. You don't want to write one-dimensional stereotypical characters because well it's just boring. So your characters should have a range of positive and negative traits unique to their distinct personality and their past experiences. So a hero shouldn't just have good qualities and a villain shouldn't just have flaws. It would just make a very boring story. You want to sometimes be able to be annoyed with your hero. You want your hero to make mistakes and you want to also be able to empathize with your villain so you can understand why they're doing what they're doing. And this isn't always just in the context of a actual hero and villain. It can just be your protagonist, antagonist or just their rival. It doesn't have to be a superhero villain type situation. Uh, but again, you just want to be able to empathize with both your main character and their rival, if they have one. So give your protagonist flaws and difficulties to face and have them respond to the events in the story appropriately. Don't always have them save the day. Don't always have them do the right thing. Because especially if you're a young adult writer, and you're writing about a teenager, they're probably not going to have the wisdom to do the right thing every time. They're going to make mistakes and that makes them realistic and it makes the reader able to empathize with them. The character's arc is also very important. A stagnant character doesn't inspire readers. So you want your story to actually change your character. You want your character to grow. Character growth is so, so important. So there's a reason people love redeemed villains. They're exciting and they're easy to root for. And you empathize them because of how and empathize with them, sorry, because of how far they've come. So on a smaller scale, how can your character grow throughout the story? What lesson can they learn? This internal story is as important to readers as the external plot. Both should interact with and influence each other. So you might start with a character who is shy, believes they can't express themselves authentically, but over the course of the plot they learn they were wrong. They learn to become confident that they're important and they should be able to express themselves or you might have a character who's initially really grumpy and unlikable and learns through new relationships to be kinder it's these things that allow us to empathize with characters this internal journey is so important because readers want to be able to see their characters change you don't just want a character who's perfect from start to finish never makes mistakes or changes you want to see that change because that's tension it's exciting so as they change and develop they also become better equipped to deal with the main problem or the villain in the story or the conflict, which means that each time something comes up, the character is more equipped to win. And that means as we get towards the end, they've grown, they've changed, and now they can get to the resolution. I also have a character development worksheet available on Etsy for fiction writers, and that has a lot of questions to ask for building a character and also the character arc. So. I will link to that below and you can check out that on Etsy. On to the next tip. Tip number four is having a realistic timeline and flow of events. 
So you have to consider when do the events happen in your novel, at what pace, and how do they impact the characters. So many writers throw a lot of action or traumatic experiences at their characters to create drama, but they fail to see these experiences through. So make sure each scene is purposeful to the plot, to the character's development, and makes sense in the timeline. So a couple of examples are in action stories when many, many traumatic events aren't fleshed out enough and the character gets over them too quickly. So this might mean something just really traumatizing emotionally happens and then all of a sudden we're on to the next thing. Maybe someone passes away and the character isn't given time to grieve or romance is going on too quickly, anything like that where it just doesn't make sense in reality to emotionally get past things so quickly. This could also be physical wounds. So they've been in this big fight scene, they've really hurt themselves, and then in the next scene they're completely fine walking around again. It's just not realistic and it does pull the reader out of the story. So a romance example is insta-love, when two strangers become inseparable and in love far faster than would be realistic. Some people do like this and I'm not going to tell you how to write your romance, but this can be a little bit unrealistic and again pulls the reader out of the story. It doesn't immerse them because you don't have time and the right pacing to actually see that romance come to life. And the last example is in a road trip or adventure or travel story when characters are moving between locations way too quickly. This can also be a world building problem. So when you're writing some sort of quest or travel, you need to make sure you've actually done the research into how are they traveling, where are they going, and what means of transport are they using. Because if they're getting there way too fast or way too slow, it just doesn't make sense, it's not realistic, and again, the reader is pulled out of the story because they're too busy thinking about all the problems. So I want you to carefully consider the pacing of your novel. So when are things happening? How long are they happening for? And how much of the story or how many words are they taking up? Which scenes do you want to deep dive into and make longer, and what can be skipped over to get to more exciting or important plot? So I'm sure you know this, a scene that is, you know, in real, real life would only really be taking up 20 minutes of time could be much, much longer than a chapter where you're just skipping over a few months. So parts of the story will be deep dived into, parts of the story get skipped over, and that just helps you to keep on the exciting important parts of the story instead of just rambling through or skipping over the wrong things just really carefully consider your pacing so finally for this point your character's arc which we discussed in the last tip also needs to have a realistic flow so this means that while they change throughout the story sometimes they go backwards in their growth and they make mistakes so there should be a good balance of characters having agency and shaping their own story their own path and also them being influenced by the plot points that happen to them. Because in real life, you know, we might try to change, we might be doing better, we might make a New Year's resolution, for example, we stick to it for a few weeks, and then life gets in the way. So sometimes we do take agency, sometimes we're running our own lives, and other times things are happening to us. And finding that balance is really, really important, and making sure that your character reacts to these things realistically rather than just powering through. On to my last tip we're going to talk about having an authentic voice. So sometimes when you're writing, you're telling the story with yourself as the narrator, but most often in fiction, even in third person, you're writing from the point of view or perspective of a character, probably the main character. 
So this means you're describing the story through their eyes and with their thoughts and prejudices in mind. So consider how a child would describe something compared to how an elderly person might. Consider how someone poor might describe a scene compared to someone rich. So, you know, you walk into a beautiful mansion, the rich person would probably think, okay, whatever, and the poor person is thinking, oh my gosh, wow. So make sure you always think about these things. Creating an authentic voice for your character means fully getting into their head. So you should also look into head hopping as an example of something not to do. That is head hopping. I won't go into it here, but it is really important. And so many beginner writers fail with this one thing. Make sure you research it and make sure you don't do it. Dialects, accents and slang are also great for characterization and placing a character or story in a specific setting. So this might help to show the country and area you're in but might also be part of world building in a fantasy or sci-fi setting in a sci-fi world or high fantasy world that's outside of our world. So some authors create entire languages for novels. I mean, I, I don't know how they do it, but if you want to, go right ahead. I don't have any advice for that. But if you are going to use slang or languages outside of what the general reader knows, so it might be outside of English, you're world building and completely making up words, make sure the reader can still actually understand what's going on and pick up on what things mean because otherwise they'll be completely lost. So although you might have, for example, a swear word that's in another language that you've made up for your characters or your world, make sure you can actually understand what that means. So you could put it in italics, you could put an exclamation mark on it, or you could say for the first time that they swear or they curse, as you say, instead of uh, just a regular dialogue tag of he or she said. So that way the reader can actually slowly pick up on the language rather than reading things and thinking, I just, I simply don't know what this is. And I see this in world building all the time where the reader is dropped into a story and just has absolutely no clue what's going on. And although, you know, a lot of brilliant books do do that, I would advise against it because I just don't think you would want a reader to be confused. So my final, final point is show, don't tell. And if you've been writing for a while, you've probably heard this a million times before, but I will just go over it quickly because this is such an important thing for realism in fiction. So like I was talking about before when we were talking about world building and setting, you actually want your reader to feel immersed in the story. You don't want the reader to feel as if they're being told a story. You don't want to feel like, you're reading a book when you're reading a book. You want to feel like you're in that book. So it's easier to plainly tell your readers that a character is, for example, angry, but showing the reader the scene, so the character's face is going red, their hands are balled into fists, they're breathing heavily and their nostrils are flared, that paints such a clearer, stronger and also more relatable picture. It also gives the reader proof of what's happening without it being explicitly told which means they'll feel and see and sense the scene, not just hear about it. And that makes the story so, so, so much stronger. It really immerses the reader and it feels more realistic. So those are my five tips for making the false believable, having realism in fiction. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some help out of it. And I wish you all the best on your writing journey. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the Writing YA with Poppy podcast. 
To chat with me or to get more writing, publishing and book marketing tips, you can follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn or visit my website. I'll link them all below. See you soon and happy writing.